The Raw Rugby Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Raw Rugby Podcast, powered by ASICS. I'm Brett McKay. A rare rugby-free weekend gives room for plenty of reflection. Your place for the biggest and best international rugby discussion is the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate. Laurie Fisher, just absolutely superb last week. Uh, opened at Eddie Jones' levels of downloads on day one, overtook him on day two and pulled away from there. He'll very likely become our most listened to episode in the next day or two, which is a fantastic result, and which we inadvertently created a little bit of an annoyance within the volley coaching ranks too after Laurie's brutally honest thoughts on the defensive setup was put to Eddie Jones on Saturday and joining me this and every week was the asker of said angst-causing question, the co-host of the number one rugby podcast in India, Harry Jones. Hello, mate. How's it, Brett? I am. I do specialize in the inappropriate, uh, so it is appropriate <laughs> that I cause said firestorm from where I am in the snowy wastes of British Columbia, where I think every yeah. second person is from Australia and every third person is from New Zealand, tending bar, <laughs> um, going down mountains and mountain bikes. Uh, just the, the Australian accent is everywhere all over this place. A question for you without notice. Have you done a pod in consecutive weeks from your home base? No, that's... No, uh, you have not. You have not. The answer is no. It's one of my mantras, one of my doctrines. <laughs> it's funny. So here in uh, so in Vancouver, they have they have fireworks in the summertime every mm-hmm. week, and they theme the fireworks a different country, and it's a competition. Next week is, for instance, Mexico, and they're going to be competing right. with Australia. Last, so this week was Australia, and I said to some... I kept trying to say, what is an Australian firework? And they go... <laughs> I don't know. It was really good, though. Australia did really well. So we'll keep you posted on whether Australia defeats Mexico in the fireworks. In of the Vancouver. fireworks. Nice. Yeah, okay. No, it makes, makes perfect sense, I think. I think. Powered by ASICS, mate, the Raw has in place a wonderful partnership with ASICS, the official performance apparel and footwear supplier of the Wallabies. Uh, and the superb Wallabies 2023 Rugby World Cup playing jersey is available to purchase in-store and online at asics.com.au now. And please do check out the Raw's quest to name the greatest ever Wallabies Rugby World Cup 15, where from a list of more than 150 players to have put on a Wallabies jersey at a World Cup, Jim Tucker, Christy Doran and myself have recorded a special podcast in which we narrowed down that long list to a short list of five options in every position, one to five, and your jobs to head to the raw.com.au before midnight, Tuesday, August 8, and make your selection for each position. You can find the shortlisting pod wherever you get your podcasts, of course, and it will culminate in the naming of the Raw's greatest ever, Wallabies Rugby World Cup 15, powered by Essex. It'll be unveiled in the days leading up to this year's tournament. Mates, heroes and zeros, and I'm going to lead you off with a hero who this week is the much maligned Tom Wright, uh, now former Wallaby fullback, we have to say, went back to club rugby in Canberra on Saturday, played fullback for West against Union North and was really good, was really good. Set up a couple of tries, had some really nice involvements in the Lions' 32-26 win, uh, puts them up to third place in the ACT Rugby Premiership. Um, Caden Neville was playing for the Owls as well and scored a, scored a try and it's just good to to see these guys getting back to clubs. And Tom Wright said in the paper on, on Sunday that, you know, he could either mope around his house 
about missing his, his, his Wallaby squad spot, or he can try and do something about it. And oh, look, I, I love the attitude and when well done to him. And like I said, he was he was actually really good on the weekend. So good on him. What do you got for me for a zero? That that is the best of rugby that level. Mm. Um, and uh, so for, here I, I encountered some a club called the Axemen. The Axemen are in Squamish, British Columbia. Mm. Um, they are an amazing club. They actually won the provincial. Uh, level one recently and we played some rugby in a pub we specifically did a, a line-out move we were reenacting the uh the japanese set move that they played uh over the weekends which was amazing um mm. but all these two are zero because these guys have actually funded their club uh they are selfless generous uh incredible guys and then i look at the french who are with sort of weird subtle pressure um, causing Fijians to drop out of the team. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure on some of the other Pacific Island, Island guys who are dropping out. They cite family. Usually the press release says, we respect the decision based on family. Uh, Clermont Montpellier uh, also appreciates their good work. And I just think it's, it's, it's rotten and it comes together with that, you know, the French president uh, being prosecuted and no one talking about it and it being sort of like this thing we don't talk about. But the club versus country thing is alive and well. And I think it stinks to high heaven. Yeah. And also, I think the French are just, you know, mucking everything up too. That jersey they made, the, the French designed jersey for the All Blacks, it has mysterious powers. It's ugly as hell, but it makes them have 20 <laughs> minute increments of superpowers. There's, yeah. I'm going to look into that. Yeah. I, I wonder I if it's a Kiwi muckraking journalist, uh, sort of entrepreneur who could just look into what happened there. Well, and that's as good a time as any to get to this week's guest. And the start of the tiny Bledisloe like Cup window within this shortened international season means it is time to cross the ditch once again. The Raw Rugby Podcast. We're back to the pods, Auckland Studios this week. And from where we welcome TVNZ sport presenter and commentator, our favourite mm. guest slash home baker from last season, the great Scotty Subo Stevenson. Hello, mate. How are you going? G'day, G'day, boys. Yeah, I'm still on the brownies. I've added some additives, though, this week. So um, I've got a bit of extra check. <laughs> what, they're, um, bloody, they're bloody good, too. <laughs> I bet. I bet. What is in the oven this time around, and, and how long has it got to go? Uh, no, I've taken the cookies out of the oven. Just um, just some chewy <laughs> chocolate chip cookies tonight. I mean, I'm a, I'm a solo dad. I've got to bake for the kids' lunches. This is the kind of thing I do, you know, because I'm boring yeah. and, um, you know, but I, I knew we were doing the pod today, so I made sure the cookies came out of the oven earlier. My only issue now is my kids are still up, so um, they're probably eating all the cookies that are designed for the Yeah, whatever. We'll talk code instead. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, fair points. Fair points. Uh, we are still asking the same question um, every week to kick things off, mate. What stood out for you on a rugby-free weekend? Football. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, you know, New well, New Zealand's gone um, pretty gaga over the Football World Cup, yeah. Women's Football World Cup. Uh, sparked to life, of course, for the fact that Football Ferns <laughs> won their opening game against Norway, which... Uh, paying 12s at the tab was not supposed to happen, but uh, how amazing to electrify the yeah. crowd. The biggest football crowd in New Zealand history. Men all I heard this. That game. Um, I heard this. That was incredible. Yeah, some of the figures coming out, um, you know, from an Australian point of view too. Uh, the Matildas have sold more jerseys, I think, this week than the men have sold. The Australian men's team has sold since... For the uh, last World Cup, yes, yes. Correct. Agree. So, uh, look, football fever's alive and well, certainly in this part of the world. 
uh, and a wonderful advertisement too for, for women's sport and for sport in general, yeah. I think. But uh, I missed my code, that's for sure. Missing international yeah. code. Uh, it was a bummer to have that week out. Uh, but still, there'll be a huge appetite this week when uh, the, when the Wobblies and, uh, and the All Blacks play in Melbourne. They will, and I'm going to ignore that slip of the tongue, I'm sure it was. Um, on the round ball, I heard a stat here over the weekend that uh, that there's been four... Uh, the last, 12 months ago, I think that Matilda's played a game and it set a new record at the time. That's now been beaten four times since, yeah. including yeah. twice in games that didn't that don't feature Australian teams. Yeah, no, so that's, that's 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 yeah. the that's the pull of the World Cup. It's it is just well, incredible. You know, I was very lucky to present coverage of the Women's Rugby World Cup at Eden mm. Park, where we had that sellout for the final and almost a sellout for the semi-final. And and I got to say, the the spirit of those crowds, the court spree. Uh, that was shown throughout that tournament uh, made it a great place to be, yeah. and uh, I haven't managed to get to a game of, uh, of footy so far in this tournament. But everyone who's been has had an absolute ball, and there is something different about going to watch women's sport, feeling the zeitgeist around that, and going to watch your traditional men's game, which comes with a, yeah. a little bit of low-level angst, a bit of menace, and sometimes it's not a great family-friendly, a family-friendly environment, but certainly. Uh, the women footy players, rugby players showed that it could be, and um, yeah. football's just picking up on that. I, f- I find, Harry, it's where you can just really enjoy the skills of the athletes. Mm. They the, the power game across multiple sports isn't there, and whether it comes or not is neither here nor there, but it means that the skills stand out and that's I, I love that. I absolutely love that. So what did you um what did you see over the weekend? Not more set plays in a Canadian pub, I hope. <laughs> Yo, the, th- the thing about grassroots in Canada is it's grass and it's roots, eh? You know, mm. wink, wink. Yeah. And so there's a lot of that going on. <laughs> but no, but for real, the the, the, the things you're th- the things you're picking on swimmer are exactly right. There's uh, mm. even though in the US, the women's soccer team is actually very well known. Those are superstars mm. and they are branded. They still are much more approachable. There's something about them that is much more joyful, should we say, like watching the Japanese score, scoring their goals every time they scored, it looked like they had just gone to heaven. It was hilarious yeah. to watch. Uh, they weren't as um, trying to be so cool, you know, as the men. But I do, I do think it kind of prefaces the World Cup, our, our World Cup, and how beautiful it is to watch country versus country, the anthems, the colors, yeah. uh, the, the brilliant jerseys. Um, so I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I guess what stood out for me was um, – Eddie Jones and his um, and his mastery of the of the press, how he can make people talk about what he wants to talk talk about. Um, I, I do. I notice a correlation between his might and how peeved he is. It almost goes up. It could be like a chart. We just you just go. There were thirteen mates. <laughs> the more, in that the more press mates, conference. the more annoyed he is. Yeah. yeah, or maybe it's missed tackles or or penalties. I'm not sure what, but there might be a correlation to study that. Yeah. Correlation, causation, there could be something in that. On that similar theme, I actually like that defence and particularly Wallaby's defence has become a bit of a theme in commentary over the last week. And that's bloody obvious because it's ranged from decent and even very good on the try line last weekend against Argentina to complete shambles, as we saw in South Africa. But it's being discussed and that, I'm sure, means it's actually being analysed and hopefully worked on a whole lot. And hopefully, what we see this weekend coming in um, in Melbourne uh, for Bled One will um, will be the fruits of that. 
the Lions tour was named last week, um, Subo, and and mm. the 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 little headline in the middle of it all, and and it's and it's great that Lions will be back here in two years. But the Anzacs are back. Mm. The Anzac, the Invitational Fifteen, it will officially be called. But it, the question I needed to put to you was: Anyone really care about that in New Zealand? No, nah, fizz levels are low. I will give you that. But, <laughs> but you know, in fairness, I mean, it's a, it's the Australians' Lions tour. So, you know, yeah. ultimately, closer to the time maybe and, and given <clears throat> who might get selected, um, it needs names though. Otherwise, it's just another midweek game. It, it, the thing yeah. about this, and we've tried things like this in New Zealand before, north-south games, trying to sort of revive that old-school all-black trial format, um, a kind of state of origin. You try things, but it's half ass. If you're going to do it, do it really, really well and make sure yeah. that this is a, a team stacked with superstars. Don't just say, oh, we're going to call it the Anzacs and there might be a couple of Kiwis. Oh, just, oh, I'm done yeah. with this. This is where rugby sells itself so short because it comes up with half-baked concepts and delivers fully on them. You need to be <laughs> thinking a bit yeah. bigger and saying, well, what do the fans want to see? Who are these superstars that are going to play? Who are these Anzacs? It's no point in just dragging a couple of unknown New Zealand kids out from an Australian point of view to be part of a team. Likewise, yeah. there's no point in putting a whole lot of unknown Australians in the site. Make it worthy of the occasion. And look at what the Barbarians do up north. I mean, the teams are always absolutely stacked, and that's why they yeah. sell out stadia. Yeah, but they also make they do it properly, and they play them on Saturday afternoons. They don't yeah, they play do, them on look, Wednesday night in Adelaide. Nah, you, know, you can't do much about that. I mean, obviously, that's just the way it's going to be. But, um, yeah, yeah, great for Adelaide to get some footy. Uh, for oh, Saturday. yeah. <clears throat> Spread the love. Um, but just, you know, my, I, I would beseech those people who have come up with this concept. And I, I like the concept. Don't get me wrong. Mm. But just make sure you follow through on it and make it something worthy of the occasion. Yeah. If they wanted to do it properly, Harry, they would have called it – they would have called it a Sansar 15. They would have bought in – Pumas and 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 Springboks and they would have built it as the ultimate North v South. We'll finally find out, yeah, who is who yeah. is on top here. But instead, it's going to be a midweek game made up of fringe Wallabies. Whoever happens to have a New Zealand passport at the time, and maybe a token South African. It's going to be. Uh, yeah, if, if you're gonna go go to the oven to get some brownies, bring back some real brownies. <laughs> That's what I know. And uh, marketing is important here. No, I just make it make a team full of uh, it's all Barretts and Hoopers or something gimmicky. Sure, something. There you go. Interest me. Yeah, Barretts, Hoopers, and Smiths. There's there twelve. Of you there's a team. There's a team. Yeah, that's a great. Yeah, yeah. Barretts, Hoopers, yeah, and Smiths. Great tour. I mean, I'm glad that all the Super Rugby team is going to get a crack and uh, obviously yeah. three great test matches and three great venues. But, um, you know, once again, all I would say is that if you're coming up with this concept, make sure it's a great concept and that you actually yeah. do everything you can for this Anzac team, quote unquote. I, Eddie Jones is pissy about it, I understand, is he? He's pissy he, about he everything, but is he? wasn't thrilled about it at the best. Like he said, oh, no, I don't care about it. I don't well, want isn't, to he, isn't, he, isn't he leaving after the World Cup? What does it matter? Oh no so, mate, no no my my focus mate is on the World Cup and that's what I mean mate no mate no don't be a smart ass mate <laughs> that guy honestly that, that guy but can we talk about that incident after the sure, sure. game in their press conference because let me tell you this is a guy who has condescended to and patronised the press for more than two and a half decades as an mm. international rugby coach you, mate take your medicine. 
It was a fair enough question. Take your medicine. He hates it when anyone gets one up over him. His ego is out of control. And your wallabies are paying the price. Mate, everyone's seen inside this guy's hat, and there's no more rabbits, surely. Mm. There's, le- there's less <laughs> hair last time, too. That, that was a cheeky question, and I thought it was delivered with that sly <laughs> kind of who, South African, you know, like so underplayed. So, so, so just grow up and answer the question. Eddie Jones throws down on everyone who talks to him. Ah, mate, mate, mate. You know, look, go back through history. Everything's a headline, and and the press corps gobbles it up too. By the yeah. way, yeah, yeah. true, is true. Bullshit. Everyone should be asking tougher questions of this guy. He took a great coach's job. He has just come into the side. He's played all sorts of combinations. Nothing's worked for him so far. Look, Eddie Jones has got a track record. We know he has, but he's not above the game. No. He thinks he is, and that's half the problem. It does my head in. Mm. There's something, you know, there's something I think I think both Brett and I are writing on this this week, which is the clarity of message. You know, Eddie was when he came into England, obviously a younger man and maybe more on top of his game. But this time around, it looks like his players are not yet, let's say yet, getting what it is he's selling. The smash and grab thing, go hard, but then also I don't want penalties, but I want power game. Like it's very difficult to play a power game, just like you're in tennis. You're going for every serve. You're going to have some double faults. It's okay. That's your game plan. I'll have more aces. Uh, I don't know if they're really getting how they're playing it. Yeah, they shouldn't have made a fourth Matrix film. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's my point, I think. And so This is is why we got you back on, mate. There were a few little themes that we just hadn't quite delved into this year. Special brownies, yeah, yeah. Look, I'm not an international coach, but but I follow Mm. the game. And if a coach talked to me the way that this bloke talks to his press corps, I mean, I'd give him some back. I mean, Mm. who do you think you are? The the Mm. problem is a lot of this international coaching now, it's it's a very small cabal of hugely egotistical men who think that they are the only people in the world who can coach international rugby. It, it is a myth, mm. and it has been a myth perpetrated by a very few on the large population, and it's got to stop. It's just it's totally nonsense. Mm. And so do- when these people believe that they're in this exalted position and, and then they talk to the people who follow the game, mate, that guy's following the game and asking those questions. He's not saying five-star hotels and flying business class, I can tell you that. No, he's, he's there because he's passionate about the game. He's probably had to scrimp and save and pay his own fare just to ask a question. Just treat people with respect. Eddie mm. Jones is saying have some respect. Have some respect for what? For a guy who has bagged and put down everyone who's ever asked him a question? No way. No, not buying it. Shots yeah. fired. That Shots is fired weird. indeed. This should certainly help us get Eddie back, back on before the World Cup, no doubt. <laughs> everyone loves it. He wouldn't even know who I am, and I don't care. Sumo plus Eddie on one episode. There you go. It's going to be great. Are you you the head coach of the Wallabies, or are you the marketing arm of Australian rugby? You tell me. I mean, it's it's one thing to to grab a headline, to be on the back page again. Hey, it's great. Laudable. Love it. Mm. Rugby being talked about is great. There is definitely more overlap there. Yeah, but not at the expense of the deep work that needs to be done on this. Yeah. No, fair. There is definitely more overlap this year than has been the case in previous years. Uh, that's <clears throat> certainly for sure, and that's not even a slide on previous Wallaby coaches uh, at all. Expectations, mate, over the ditch this week about Bledisloe mm. One. Is it just is it just assumed that a comfortable retention is in play this weekend? Like how, what's the feeling? 
No, I don't. I don't think anyone really assumes that. I mean, certainly there's a thawing of uh, attitude towards the All Blacks. Uh, they've come out of the blocks pretty well this year. It's been a mm. tough couple of years um, with Ian Foster in charge, as we all know, and that's been well documented. Um, you know, there has been, I think, moments and games that have been revelatory uh, from an All Black point of view, where we've seen mm. signs of what the All Blacks have been so good at for a long time. My my fear for for the Wallabies is that that they can't score, and, and very few international teams can. They can't score in blitzes like the All Black side does, even though they're probably no. the closest in terms of liking scoring from early phase, phase one, phase two. Uh, that kind of suits their game, the athletic game that they want to play. Um, but if they allow the All Blacks to blitz, uh, like they blitz the box, uh, like they were able to do against Argentina, those little 20-minute periods have been a hallmark yeah. of All Black rugby for a very, very long time. And so um, I, I don't think it's expected of a big result. I think there's always a weariness about going to Australia and, and playing the Wallabies. Um, but certainly at the moment, uh, the All Blacks are on an upward trajectory in terms of how the fans, this side of the ditch, are viewing them right now and the way they're playing. It's going to be difficult to counter that sort of 20-minute blitz with 30% ball, yeah. which has been the Wallabies' well, biggest problem the last two weeks. Yeah, and look, and sometimes giving the All Blacks a lot of ball is a good thing, um, but you've got to do it in the right areas of the park if they want to play mm. that open playing rugby. And, and Ireland were good at that. You know, they made the All Blacks play a lot of rugby, but in the wrong part of the field and then forced the game on them. Um, that's how they won those games. But, um, you know, this Wallaby side too, guys, I mean, you look at the two teams that have played so far in this championship, they're vastly different teams. Yeah. Uh, one, of the, one of the things that I look at is, uh, w- have they settled on combinations at all? When you talked about defence. Defence is a combination thing. Um, and if your combinations aren't in place, you don't know who your back row is, you don't know who your midfield is, you don't know who your back three is, and you look at the spine of that team, they're going to have to make some pretty hard and fast decisions yeah. about who they want to trust going forward. And I, I just wonder, and I'd ask you, is the team we're going to see on Saturday from an Australian point of view the team? Is that as close as we're going to see it's, to what Eddie Jones thinks is, is the team, the blueprint? It's going to have to be awfully close. Uh, it's going to have to be awfully close because he's only got three tests between mm. right now as we speak and yeah. game one of Rugby World Cup. So it's going to have to be. And and it's not quite going to be because the two blokes that he would want to build a team around and can ill afford to lose mm. are Len Ikitao and Michael, Michael Hooper. And mm. Ikitao definitely won't play. Yeah, And Hooper is probably still long odds. So, Harry, it's... It is going to be curious to see what sort of combinations he does throw out this week. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I never know whether he's boxing clever or saying the truth, but he, he said he needed to find his actual team and play them. Like he said, it was a, a 1,200-meter sprint, he told us on the pod. He did. He, yeah. said, uh, he said, I don't have time to do mix and match. I think he was. I think he has able, been able to get some information. So I think he has some cross some names off. That's actually valuable. Yeah. But I don't know what the what the name is for fifteen. I don't know who the backup hooker is going to be. I'm not sure um, what his best combination is. If he does have someone go down, and you can, it, you're not going to go into a World Cup and say no one's going to get injured. So you have to have uh, second yeah. string uh, backups and so forth. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, to me, so the All Blacks look really tall. By the way, they look big. Besides nine and ten, and maybe at seven, it's a big <laughs> team now. It's a really tall He's- team. And I'm wondering about the the back line for the Wallabies needing to go fire with fire. And I wonder if yeah. Eddie's is prepared for that kind of assault. I mean, they they they're going off like um, porn stars of rugby. You know, it's like 20 <laughs> minutes, 20 minutes, 20 minutes. They do give you a little bit of reload time while they're like in the sack, you know, breathing. 
They do, they do, they let the Pumas and the Box in a little bit, but then you have to take those chances. And the Wallabies have not shown territory or any kind of phase building at all. Yeah. Uh, are, are late 20s growth spurts common in New Zealand, Simo? Uh, are late 20s growth spurts? <laughs> Why are they suddenly so tall? Oh, mate. Look, yeah, it is a tall team. I mean, I guess you look at, you know, Geordie Barrett and um, Rika Ioani, if Ioani retains Huge. his place at centre, they're tall boys, um, especially Barrett. Um, you know, they've added a little bit of height with Frizzell at six. Um, you know, Kane is not the tallest man, but he's certainly not the smallest either. Um, no. I mean, that guy just melts people every single game. It's just his shoulders are frightening. Um, you know, and they've got that, that I guess, utility factor of Barrett there as well. I can cover six and lock. And Whitelock, whether he's fit or not, I'm not entirely sure they're going to risk him this week. So no. it is a talk team. And, and add to Mighty Williams, you know, the young Lucy on top, uh, Lucy Ford, uh, Lucy Prop. On top of that, and you know, yeah, yeah, you do start to look through that side and think, boy, where are that's aerial skills all around the park, both at line out time and of course, um, under the ball as well. Tell me this though, can your utility players cover wing and, and back three like Wally's utilities can? Well, I'd love to see it. Um, mm-hmm. the utility factors are really interesting. Um, it's a really interesting thing for me. I think there's been a lot of talk about having those utility players, but. I don't think there's anything in a game like specialists. Uh, and rugby's a, speci- rugby's a specialist rugby's game. Rugby's a specialist sport, exactly. And, yeah. and I know it always sounds nice, doesn't it? I've got a guy I can cover, you know, his eight, six and lock, and I've got a fullback yeah. who can cover wing and midfield. Um, in very rare cases, that works where. Uh, yeah. In most cases, I think you actually do a disservice to the side because – you're obviously putting a guy who's who's not in, as good in a position, and and I know bench setups are, are complicated, but uh, I'm I'm for specialists all day long. Yeah, and it, and it's an interesting situation, Harry, because again, for the Bloods like Cup, a refreshed Wallaby squad has been named, and as I mentioned at the top, Tom Wright isn't in it, but Ben Donaldson still listed as a utility player, and what's that mm-hmm. tell him, like? Mate, we don't even count you as a backline player right now. <laughs> yeah, it, it is interesting, as Simo says. I think actually New Zealand has had a utility specialist, if I can hybrid something here. You know, the mm-hmm. sort of Izzy Dag player. I think Bowden Barrett has that. But it's not the same as having utility like throw in, like, uh, I don't know, almost like no. Bob's is trying to do for South Africa. I mean, mm-hmm. Bowden Barrett really can play 10 or 15. Or um, uh, you can look at Ari Savea as being a classic guy. Luke Jacobson similar too. Like you yeah. can really put them anywhere, those three, and they can do the role. But I don't think it's a wise idea to think of a forward as a back. I think this is very no. exotic thinking, no. and it doesn't no. work, and, and it never has worked. A couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. There's a big difference between running a back rower at 12 or 13 for 10 minutes late in the game when a guy's right. – yeah, when your inside center has been yellow carded or, or you've mm. had a couple of injuries and that's forced – but you're not starting Josh Kemeny on the wing. You're not starting Ben Donaldson at back row. And stop pretending you're going to. Just name them bloody forwards and backs and yeah. get on with it. But, but again, and, isn't 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 that the ego of coaches though? Um, and I can put yeah. any player anywhere and make him a world beater. No, you can't. No, you Are you can't. serious? You'll get yeah. absolutely eaten alive if you start doing. That. I I can handle when we rebranded reserves to finishes. I I can I can <laughs> see the logic here. Yeah, but we're not having utilities. Yeah, no. it's, it's and also I think it's lazy thinking. You know, look, one of the best things for the for the Wallabies would be keep your players on the field 
And uh, if you look back, and there was an excellent yeah. article, uh, and I'm I'm also doing one this week about about the just the incredible ubiquity of penalties and cards and cards that yeah. come from repetitive penalties, which is the worst kind of cards. Yeah. Uh, and it's just unbelievable how many cards the Wallabies have received. Yeah. And if there was one thing going into the World Cup that you just have to cut out if you want to go deep into the tournament, it would be that you just yeah. cannot keep shedding players and then having to have utility uh, setups where you have one guy playing 12 never played with 12 before 13 all of a sudden against you know argentina um yeah i mean the argentina found space i would imagine the all blacks will find, find space but what do you what do you guys think what could be the wallabies way to at least cause some angst this weekend uh, some kind of like uh, a closer game they, well, the way they the way they want to do it is to slow the ball down. But again, you touched yeah. on it. Then, then you run the risk of being offside with the referee, and then you've got card trouble again. I think this Wallaby side goes down a player against this All Black team, and you can shut the door on the MCG. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I, you know, it's it's really hard for me. I, I look at the way the All Blacks play, and, and and maybe it's a bit of an old school thinking here. You've got to take certain players out of the game. Uh, from a New Zealand point of view, uh, from an Australian point of view, you've got to find a way to keep Will Jordan away from the ball. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, dead set. I mean, that that performance uh, was freakish. Oh, that's it one of the greatest right wing performances I've ever seen in my life. He was everywhere mm. in that game. Mm. Um, so you look at that, and I know that you run the risk then of saying, "Well, if all our focus is on that guy, they got other threats around the park." Yeah, but they don't have threats like Will Jordan right now. No. Um, so you've got to find a way to negate that and and keep him out of the game. And and it's a, I think a bit of a league mentality. You've got to look at the edge and say, how do we protect this edge at all costs? And and that's yep. difficult. And you've got to change a lot of your structures very very quickly. But uh, I certainly wouldn't be kicking down his channel. That's for sure. No. Um, and he's very good under the high ball. So I Corey Jane was like that for me, boys. So I, Corey Jane was one of those players who could take a quarter of the field out of play for opposition. He was yep. so good under the high ball that people just couldn't kick it to him. Now, when, yeah, you, when you're thinking about true. that running an offensive program against the Hurricanes, as he was playing for it those days, you just knew that that quadrant of the field was out for you. Uh, yeah. man, that, that's incredible that a player has that kind of skill and can and can instill that kind of fear in the attack. The scary thing about Will Jordan last, last start for me was that he still had the look on him like he was still annoyed that he's not playing fullback. <laughs> like and He was incredible <laughs> on the wing, but there was just that little... Smirk, yeah. that little grit about his smile. I was like, "Yeah, I'm doing this, but I'm not wearing. I'm, I'm not wearing 15." Jesus, I'm knocking things over now as well. This is getting. <laughs> what are you doing, mate? I got all excited. I got all excited. I had a point to make. Well, I got all excited because you know the one thing about Will Jordan being on the wing is it's allowed Bowden Barrett to find his mojo again. And yeah, yes, that's true. You know, that's uh, true. Bowden Barrett with mojo is a great thing for this All Black side. Talk about finishers. You know, 2015, he was the greatest finisher in the game. And that was his role. He would come off yeah. the bench, 20 to go, and absolutely, you know, kick ass. It was it was freakish what he could do. So it's been really crucial that the All Blacks found a way to get Barrett into the game. And so him at fullback, giving him lots of touches, allowing him to, to interchange a little between McKenzie and possibly Moonga as well, as he's done both weekends of the rugby championship. Uh, I think that's crucial to the longer-term view of the All Black side. Rugby. On the raw. Now, Harry, you're sorted for France, aren't you? Your World Cup adventure is all worked out. Yeah, but it's really complicated. Uh, TGV, RER, digestif, ingestif, up, down. Each each town is a very different experience. So, I would say I would have loved to have had a specialist sort me out. Well, it just so happens 
that there are still World Cup deals out there to be found. French Attitude 2023 has very limited spots left on their Le Grand Debut tour with former Wallabies and Western Force hooker Nathan Charles and featuring the one and only Tatafi Plotter now. And it actually sounds like a pretty good deal. 12 days and 11 nights in four-star accommodation, including breakfast and various tours around Paris, Marseille, Monaco and a Seine River cruise, just to name a few. You take in the Rugby World Cup opening ceremony plus France v New Zealand in Paris on opening night. Then the Wallabies mm. opening match against Georgia in Paris as well. Then you jump on the TGV to Marseille for Scotland v South Africa with special guest and Scotland legend Gavin Hastings, followed by a couple of days in Nice and Monte Carlo, up to Lyon, finishing with the Wallabies crunch match against Fiji, and then a visit to Nathan's former club, Clermont. How good does that sound? 11 nights in four-star accommodation, touring costs and all match tickets, all for $9,399 excluding flights, all your tour details can be found at FrenchAttitude2023.com. Contact Murray Ski on 0423-029-807 or Murray.ski, that's S-K-E-A, at FrenchAttitude2023.com. And he also has limited finals packages still available. I love that. That's a great deal. No-brainer. Do it. So where are the All Blacks placed at the moment? Is, is this weekend Ian Foster's last chance perhaps to, to try a few things, do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I guess he would. I, I think they're dialed in, Brent. I really do. Yeah. I, I think they're probably closer to being dialed into what their combinations look like or certainly what their top combination looks like than perhaps the, the Wallabies are right now, which is understandable. Oh, no question. Eddie Jones hasn't had a long time to be with the squad and, and find the players that fit his spreadsheet. Uh, Foster has, and mm. so... Uh, you know, with Joe Schmidt there, who's working pretty tirelessly behind the scenes, and he'll be strategizing alongside Foster. Jace Ryan's got the pack going great, uh, as and no one doubted he would. He's an outstanding forward coach. He, he knows set piece so well. You mm. know, when he was at the Crusaders, I think they, uh, mate, I don't think they conceded a line out more try. I don't think oh, they and not one. and not for about two years, or, or is, well, it, is it, was, it, was it one in two seasons or something like that? It's mate, not they more. had good. They had the vault. Money went into the vault every time they went through a game without considering a line-out try, mate. I think they all come out millionaires. It, it was ridiculous <laughs> what he was able to do with that side. So, um, yeah, I, I think that they're getting a clearer picture right now of where they want to go and how they want to play. Um, and now it's, as you mentioned before, Jones has got three tests now to figure out yeah. where, where things sit for him. Uh, and that, that's, that would be deeply troubling, uh, even for a guy with his experience. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting, Harry, to see the two teams named later this week because Foster will name his side and we'll all sort of go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, no Scott Barrett makes sense. He's been pretty good, probably needs the week off, save for Dunedin, that sort of thing. And Eddie Jones will throw out another 15 and be like, okay, what's going on this time around? And <laughs> there's that feel about it. And I don't know, that concerns me making the trip down to Melbourne this weekend. Yeah, and the All Blacks are obviously the prohibitive favorites for the World Cup right now. Let's just say it. Let's just mark this down. Uh, they are the best team. They are the t- look at his face. Look at his um, face. And it's and it, it is mostly because of Ryan. I will say this. You know, Paul O'Connell really made the Ireland pack step up, and it's underrated how much Paul O'Connell has made that work. Ryan, yeah. and you look, you look back before the second test against the Springboks a year ago. I mean, there were people writing off the whole experiment, like, this is yes. done, this is our lowest point in the nation, 
and and then you know you look at what a Ryan guy. I'm not just putting all on him, but he really did make the pack hard again. Yeah. All black pack is hard. The backs are always good. Um, and now and now that's what, what it looks like to me. I don't know, man. I think I think the All Blacks one, you know, one tiny Achilles heel could be that let teams back in from time to time. You study the game against England at Twickenham. You see the box scoring three tries. I know they weren't enough, and maybe it was four tries almost. But there was a there was a period of time yeah. where old All Blacks at their pump at the pump they're not letting people score three four tries. So I suppose the Wallabies need to find that seam. And then hold it longer and turn guys like Will Jordan, Aaron Smith into tacklers. Just keep Aaron Smith at the bottom of a rock yeah. and just put a knee on his tummy or something. I don't know. Yeah. Like keep him down. Take him and, down. And Moanga too, Sumo. If you can, yeah. I, I'd, I'd love to know what his win-loss record is when he needs to make 10 or more tackles a game. Yeah. yeah he's I mean, he's playing for the Crusaders. Too. It's probably still fine, but I think the point yeah. stands. Yeah, he's a pretty brave defender. I, I want to pick up on Harry's point, though. You know, that their bench strategy that Safka employed against the All Blacks was a solid strategy. Put the big boys on early, uh, make your replacements early in the second half, and then use some fresh legs against the tiring players. Um, bench strategy is going to be crucial at World Cups. It always is. Yeah. The All Blacks' bench strategy in 2015 was the best in the tournament, no doubt about that. The way they made front row replacements, when they made yeah. them in the game, they, they always made them earlier than the opposition. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think that's a, a factor for the Wallabies as well. When do you start your bench? When do you put fresh legs on? Make no bones about it. South Africa came roaring back into that game against the All Blacks at Mount Smart. They came yeah. roaring back. And had they had a little bit more nuance, um, you know, who knows what could have happened there. But the All Blacks were under the pump, massively under the pump. And, and I think one of the things they'd be most proud about is that they withstood the challenge. Yeah. And yep. still came out on top. But, you know, yep. there are ways to get under the skin of this all-black side. And the French will bring it. Ireland will bring it. And they have brought it. And when you go yeah. very, very direct on the all-blacks, and when you go relentlessly direct on the all-blacks, you can force mistakes and you can force territory. And so, look, it's just – this is a case of 15 Wallabies are going to have to stand up real tall and real powerful and say, right, we're going we're going to throw it right at them for 80 minutes. And, um, you know, do that. And who knows? Cracks may appear. Where, where are the chinks? Have you seen it yet? No, I just I think sometimes the All Blacks can, can get caught up, uh, you know, because yeah. they've got a, such an attacking philosophy. They can get caught behind the ruck a little. Um, they can get a little bit forward, <laughs> and then that real tight edge play can undo them just, just slightly because they like to spread and they like to go early, and mm. they really like to get up on the inside back. So, you know, there are ways you can just – again, it's got to be physical, though. Uh, the more physical yeah. you can be against this All Black side, the better. And it may, that's just rugby. I mean, it's just metaphorical, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, quite often – the, the most physical side wins the game line. You win the game line and you go a long way to winning the match. So uh, winning that game line against the All Blacks, you can do. And I think the likes of Yechef Snayman and Peter Stefti Toy, Dwayne from Mullen, when they came into that game, they showed that. Um, mm. Be physical, really ultra-physical. And then, you know, you make the All Blacks second-guess their decision-making. I'd have a lot more confidence, Harry, about the Wallabies being able to exploit exploit chances out wide if Iki Tower's at 13. Yeah, that's true. And also just, you know, the Wallabies have been tackle machines so far. I yeah, think Quay, yeah. Quay Cooper has made 20 tackles so far. Valentini, 38. Uh, that's a hard sled. You're going into the All Blacks. You're not going to have any I don't reckon Robbie Valentini made you, 38 tackles for Super Rugby. Yeah, if you try to do 200 tackles in a match against the All Blacks, you look at the scoreboard, it's going to be 40, 45 or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, it just yeah. you, you you slip off some tackles in the end because they come hard and they come support. So I would think you have to reduce that. So I, I would think the for the Wallabies to have a chance, they have to have the the most different match that they have had in a while. I'd almost go back to the match they played against Ireland, where it was thirteen ten, I think maybe in yeah, the Rennie 16, era. Thirteen ten, like it might have been. Yeah, that yeah. that game plan could be what they need to do in yeah. the Bledisloe. Yeah, well, even thinking back to the the Melbourne game last year, and you know that was before French fast took over, but that was you know that was that was an eighty point game basically, and mm. the Wallabies aren't going to win a game like that. They've they've got to keep it low and tight. There's no point trying to there's no point trying to have a shootout because that's just a a, a game that they that they just won't be able to keep up with. It, what what happens, Sumo, trying to come about it? come at it from a different angle here and it doesn't even matter how, how how it might happen or how they might do it what would happen if the wallabies actually won this weekend uh you'd be very excited i imagine oh, um i definitely would <laughs> like, well, it's a very psychological no, answer well hey i mean let, let's not i mean let's not say it like it's you know beyond all reason uh no, no. you know look australia can beat the all bikes and they've shown mm. that um, over many, many, many years. So, um, you know, it's still a two-horse race here, and we're not talking about a horse that's nobbled, but it's just a, maybe a horse that doesn't quite know how it's pacing at the moment. And yeah, um, and it settles yeah, on back. Look, and and look, if if Australia do, <laughs> if Australia do win this, you know, it sets up a hell of a con- con- contest in Dunedin, doesn't it? And it does, you know, yeah. and the Bledisloe's on the line. Um, boy, oh boy! I mean, of all the things Australian rugby needs, I mean, imagine taking the Bledisloe back into the cabinet before you head to a World Cup. Mm. Uh, that would be something else. It really Eddie would. Might, Eddie might ride off into the sunset before the World Cup. Never mind. Oh, I. mate, I would. And he could sit <laughs> in it. So, mate, just put it on wheels and he could yeah. drive it down the road. Um, and he'll say something along the lines of, I lost this thing 20 years ago, and now that I've got it back, I won't lose it again. Yeah, well, that's, that's right. The cycle will repeat, won't it? I mean, you know, as I said before, I mean, people are starting to look at the All Blacks, and Harry's come out with one of the great commentators' curses of all time, primitive favourites. You know, sure. people are, right? And so, you know, that would be that would be a massive speed bump from a New Zealand fan point of view if they were to go down in this test match. But again, for me... I, I, I never get surprised if the Wallabies win a game against the All Blacks. I mean, you know, when they are at their best, and they've been a long way off it so far in this rugby championship, mm. but when they are at their best, uh, they play a brand of rugby that, that the All Blacks struggle to stay with because it's unique in the world how Australia mm. play when they're at their best. Yeah, yeah. There is a familiarity. There is a – even though the results haven't this, haven't gone the Australian team's way, they do mm. know what's coming. They, are, they do play this every week in Super Rugby. So yeah. – it can actually be a thing, Harry. I think so, and I, 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 I can't help thinking that the All Blacks want to just bury the all the Wallabies this week. Though yeah. I just have this yeah, feeling sure. they want to. They, they almost want to. They've been very quiet. I think they just want to slap them around a little bit, you know. Yeah. And uh, and so that's the worry to me. Now I do think your question is interesting. If the Wallabies were to pull off an upset, that might be good for the All Blacks. That might be exactly what a guy like Ian Foster and Ryan would want to go. Hey guys, don't read the headlines. You're yeah. not there yet. You know, there's still a few things to do. For Eddie, don't make us say we told you so. Yeah, for Eddie, of course, it would be like he'd be hugging all the journos. He'd be their best friend. Everyone would be their mates, <laughs> a good mate, not the bad mate. Um, but he might I just come worry. on the instant reaction live. <laughs> but I worry. I worry that it's going to be the other way. I worry this is going to be just a rout because there's some fundamental problems with playing no territory, no possession. 200 tackles a match yeah. against a team like the All Blacks. It's just murder. You're going you're gonna to yeah. die 
if you try to no. tackle Will Jordan thirty times. It's crazy talk. It's crazy. Yeah. What's what's the what's the number, Sumo? What what's what's the number you've got to keep the All Blacks under to win? Oh, gee, that that's a great question, Brady. I look, I you know, three tries max for the All Blacks. Yeah, you got to, you've got to keep them under three scores. Um, yeah, you know, it's easier said than done because they can do that to you in seventeen minutes, as we saw you know, against against the box. But you know, if you can keep them there, if you can keep them really having to fight and really fight through phases for those tries. Mm. Uh, you go back, go back over the last ten years and look at the number of All Blacks tries that came off first phase, second phase. That, that's that's well, their, and their side zone. of halfway. That's well. their golden zone. They love yeah. playing click. They love transition. They love catching defenses napping on a transition play. But but ultimately, they love doing things off really early phase ball, uh, which is why the stylistic difference between the All Blacks and the Springboks is so fascinating and has been for yeah. you know what one hundred and three test matches because. They're such. They're on different planets. They're Mars and Venus. Those two sides. Yeah. Um, yeah Scott uh, Berger told me a great story last week. You'll love this. Heineken Meyer. Remember Heineken Meyer? Mm, of course. Heineken Meyer when he's coaching the box, he says, <laughs> you know, the, the Ford's gone boss. You're not allowed to boss." And Skulk says, "Oh, Heineken, you know what if you know I, you know I'm hitting a brick wall, but the door's open for the guy next to me." And he says, "Yeah, oh, okay, you can boss." But only you. <laughs> but only you. The designated passer. Yeah, and Scullis in there. Well, hang on, coach. You know what if the other guy runs into a brick wall and I'm the one with the door open? He goes, no, nope, only you can boss, Scott. So, you know, so Skulk's running to the line, just doing this one now, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's just getting it hand free everywhere. Not to pass, so whatever. He did. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, no, it's interesting for the box. For the box, you know, which are the the box have had the most successful winning percentage, which is still low, like thirty eight percent against all blacks. Mm. But the, always the theory was twenty two and below you win, twenty two to twenty eight. That's the classic matches between all blacks and. But if you allow the the all blacks to score more than twenty eight points, they always win. They win in some yeah. weird magical yeah, way. Yeah. And so to Brett's point is even if it feels good, you know, brave loss, blood of slow one, uh, Melbourne or the, the, the thriller at Ellis park. Yeah. But you still lose the match, but it's no. five to five, four, four, three tries. You've got to get lost. them. Yeah. You've got to get the all blacks to only score one try per half. And then you have no. a really good shot. Yeah. I don't want to be, I don't want brave loss. I want to be, I want, I want proper win. I want, I, I want to be, regretting decisions the night before when I get on the flight on Sunday morning, I want to be in not a great state on next week when we, re when we record yeah. again. And that's, I, and I want that I too. Want. That's what I, I want that for you. <laughs> yeah. As a mate, I want that for you. And I want to send and I want photographic evidence. <laughs> my, con my, con my concern is that we've got next week's guest locked in already. And mm. I don't really want to embarrass myself in front of him, but if that's the price we have to pay for, a, for a yeah. ripping volumes victory, then I'm prepared to do it. People will understand. <laughs> People will understand. You've got to live your life. Don't worry about it. Yeah, that's no, a fair point. It's a fair point. Live your life. Be Mate, you, it has Brett. been oh, I'll, I'll do my best. I'll do my best. Mate, it has been fantastic to have you back on. I'm, I'm glad there's been um well, there's been no kitchen issues. There's been a few internet issues this time around, but you know, that yeah. gives us something to talk about next year when we bring you back on. Yeah, look, my, my computer's died halfway through the pod and I've tried to knock it off my desk as well. So look, I, mean, it, mate, I don't know what the third strike is. I'll probably walk into the door on the way out of the library. But um, boys, it's it's a great pleasure. I, I hope it's a great contest. I really do. So do I. It's, there's a lot of chat. And, you know, the other thing too, I think it's a shame the All Blacks have decided to stay in New Zealand and I don't think they fly to Melbourne till Thursday. Um, I, I do believe that international rugby has almost a duty to make sure that yeah. you know you, you're doing your part to promote the game, and this this to me seems like another 
um, almost mean-spirited approach to it. So like, why would we do Australian rugby any favours by turning up early? And um, oh, yeah. Just, yeah, that, and, that to me leaves a sour taste in my mouth. I'm sure they've got their logistical reasons and maybe the Women's mm. Football World Cup has taken a few training facilities, what have you. But even so, you know, like, do we want the game to thrive at international level? If so... You know, both teams have got to play their part in promoting yeah. the contest. It, it was a criticism of the Wallabies last year that they based themselves on Sunshine Coast and just flew in, yeah. flew out. Uh, this yeah. year, they went back into the Gold Coast, I think, on Thursday, flew into Melbourne on Monday. So they're, they're going to be there all week, which is yeah, which is great. what we want. What we want. Good on you, mate. Great to talk to you again. I look forward to sending you a, um, a uh, moderately abusive text message uh, late Saturday night. <laughs> yeah, I look forward to that. And, and, and I'd send you some brownie, but it wouldn't get past customs. So um, you guys uh, See you soon. Uh, yeah, boys. Enjoy the game. Good chat. The Roar. Harry, fantastic to have Sumo back on. Always good chat. Uh, love love talking to him. Uh, I generally will send him a message on Saturday night if, if the opportunity arises. Yeah, Sumo's great, but I always feel like I have to just have a shower after he's been on. He's, uh, <laughs> I'm exhausted. He's just an unbelievable machine gun talker. I love it. Yeah, no, he's great. He's great. Uh, lots of uh, lots of time for him. He mentioned the Pacific Nations Cup, um, and Fiji made a fantastic start to their campaign, sealed a hard fought thirty six twenty win over Tonga in Lautoka on Saturday. In the other game, Samoa defeated Japan twenty four twenty two in Sapporo um, after Michael Leach's red card in the 30th minute. Um, Japan were leading 10-3 when he was red carded for a high tackle uh, in that game. But Christian Lidifano on debut for Samoa um, loved the experience he did. He's just like he's Christian debuting for Samoa had all the echoes of Daniel Ricciardo being back in Formula 1 on the weekend, like the yeah, same that's... levels of, of, of rediscovered love. It was just fantastic so, to see. It's so good to see these, some of these guys that are going to play for their actual, you know, countries yeah. of origin. They love it. It's wonderful yeah. And Samoa and, and Tonga, especially, which we've talked about, like their back lines for the world cup are just going to be incredible. And I'm all here for that. That's what that eligibility change was, was made for. Not for, not for third string, all blacks, halfbacks declaring their, <laughs> Interesting playing for Australia. So the win um, sees Samoa move up to tenth on the rankings, um, and Japan swap places with them. They drop down to up to twelfth behind uh, behind Georgia. Some news over the last seven days, mate. Um, more more Rugby World Cup jersey chat. England released their jersey, and it's for oh, how do I say this? Exactly the same as the last couple. It's it's not fashion forward. It's forward fat. Uh, that that's going to make someone look so big, and it's not yeah. fair to the props running around with that sweaty white t-shirt. Yeah, uh, classic without being uh, classics was the best description I saw for it so Boring. far. And interestingly, um, one of the most expensive kits out there. So the adults jersey in England is selling for one hundred and twenty-five pounds and ninety-five pounds for for kids, and that's. That's, That's the market, crazy though. That's, I mean, go, go to yeah. go to Twickers and see who's there and see what's in the car parks. So. Yeah, true. They're all there. Uh, Rugby Pass actually grouped all the England strips together, showing how god boring they've become. And I got to say, <laughs> ninety five and ninety nine stood out from that group. Like they are, those two are criminally underrated now. I'll, I'll say, I'll say that Wales released theirs as well, complete with a collar and a black alternate strip. 
Um, and according to Macron, who are going to have about seven or eight different countries kitted out at the Warrior World Cup, um, the words of the national anthem and the colours of St David's flag are the key features to the new home and away jerseys. And the, I don't mind the Wales ones. They've copped a little bit of stick, but I don't mind them. They look classic to me. Yeah, 24 September in Lyon, Wales versus Australia. That's going to be a nice look. Yeah. Those two jerseys pair really well together like a... Yeah. I don't know, a strong, a strong red and a beautiful steak. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I like it. Marcus Smith has signed a new contract extension with Harlequins. We'll see him stay at the stoop uh, beyond 2023-24, which is which is great news. Um, the Sansar announced – this didn't get much headlines over the weekend. Sansar have announced that they're going to run an under-20s rugby championship from 2024, and I think this is actually great news. The, the under-26 nations has been going for – yeah, seven or eight years now, I think, and we're seeing what a difference that's made at under twenties World Championships. We saw Ireland and France being significantly better than everyone else, so yep. it's 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 probably overdue that Sansa uh, have done this. Um, Damien McKenzie was on Sunday named the fan MVP for Super Rugby Pacific. I'm not a great fan of social media awards announcements months after the event. I don't know why that couldn't have been done back in June. Yeah. Again, rugby is very strange about how we uh, yeah. publicise ourselves. Yes, indeed, indeed. Um, rug, uh, the, the, the we've touched on it. The, the Lions uh, tour was was announced, and uh, what I what I do love about it is that all five Super Rugby sides will play uh, will play the Lions. Um, the 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 Invitational Fifteen game in Adelaide is going to be. I don't know. I'm going to take a lot of convincing about that one, and then three tests in in Brisbane, Melbourne, Sydney is going to be fantastic. And I can I've still got very very vivid memories of 2013, and I I just can't wait to see what it what it does. It's going to be it's going to be really really cool. Uh, Crusaders forward Sioni Havili Talitua has signed a two year deal with Moana Pacifica. Um, will play for the Auckland based club in 2024. That's actually good to see that happening because there was too many players leaving Moana going to other teams. Yeah, um, I think I think I heard uh, Timothy Tavatavanawe has signed with the uh, Highlanders as well, which mm. is concerning. Their their two big ball carriers uh, are gone. Um, Brumbies hooker Billy Pollard's latest fringe Wallaby to sign a short term deal overseas. He's linked up with European champions La Rochelle uh, for for six weeks. Noah Lolosio is already in France uh, with mm. Jake Gordon at Toulon. Um, Alan Wynne Jones is there as well. Uh, Brandon Payanger and Mosa could suddenly rock into World Cup calculations. The Raw reported on Sunday that he signed a long-term deal with the Force that would theoretically allow him to be eligible. But I've still got question marks about this because Rugby Australia's overseas elig- eligibility rules say that players returning to Australia that have signed a long-term deal to play with Super Rugby the following year are eligible. All the talk about Panger and Mosa is that he won't come back here to 2025. So I don't know how... I mean, it's their own rules they're breaking, but what's the point of having them? Loophole, mate. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, it's a World Cup year, so anything goes, yeah. clearly, clearly. Um, and, mate, the um, the Brumbies uh, announced on Monday they're going to embark on a two-game development tour of Japan in early October this year. They're going to take on... Uh, Tokyo Centauri, Sungoliath, and the Rico Black Rams, Tokyo. And there's history with both there. The Brumbies and Centauri have had a long-standing relationship. And mm. at Rico, Peter Hewitt and Rory Rory Murphy's Murphy are both Brumbies coaches. Um, so mm. 
that all makes some sense, I think. But, mate, that is us done in Episode 72 of the Raw Rugby Podcast, powered by ASICs. Don't forget, Harry and I are both on the socials, um, on Insta, on threads as well. Now you can find us both there. Uh, ratings and reviews still flooding in, and and, and do leave us a, a review if your pod platform allows it. Um, and do, of course, like, follow, subscribe on your platform of choice and make sure you see everything as soon as it goes live. Instant reaction again on Saturday night. Uh, from the MCG where I've been, I can't wait for after Low one, but it is the Raw Rugby Podcast with me, Brett McKay and Harry Jones, every week on the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate, the home of all your favourite international rugby analysis, opinions and conversations. A reminder to find the shortlisting pod on your favourite platform and jump onto the site as well to nominate your picks before midnight on August 8th for the Raw's greatest ever Wallabies Rugby World Cup 15. All thanks to our six the official performance apparel and footwear partner of the Wallabies. Thanks for listening. We're back in your ears from Melbourne on Saturday night. Come, let us slow with us.